you know, I think that everybody, one of the things you should show people is what you're using for injections now and the spears they used to use oh, yeah. 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. People have no idea. And we don't, as parents, we don't have any idea on how, quote unquote, good we've got it compared to calling your kid in from playing. We can talk about this in a minute. Calling a kid in from outside from playing, having them pee someplace, boil it, drop in tablets, and then find out what his blood sugar was like 45 minutes ago. One of the things I would like you to talk about, because I think it would be appropriate for our listeners, is how you deal with it in school when you're a parent. And, you know, because I've had a lot of parents, and, and this it doesn't matter what level, you know, grade school, high school. Oh, absolutely. Even college. So, all right, let's get started. So here we go. This is. Wait, just wait. Give me give me a two minute background on Amber before we start. Amber, go shoot. <laughs> we only got two minutes. This Friday, I'll celebrate 39 years with type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed at age eight, and I have never used an insulin pump. I have I use Dexcom and have the Diabetes Daily Grind blog and the Real Life Diabetes podcast. And the reason I started that was because I wanted to share my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease and no subject is off limits. And we talk about everything. Through that, I've connected with people all over the world. And I'm so happy to have found literally my people because... In all the years that you were just talking about, the decades of diabetes, I lived, you know, suffered in silence. And now that I have friends that understand what I'm going through, it's just, it's absolutely changed my life. You know, just so you know, Tom, she's not silent anymore. <laughs> yeah. Who would be? Who would be after six months with you? <laughs> if you're silent, you <laughs> so so here we go with another edition of the and this is going to be a fun Dave and Amber podcast because you know Tom you're going to be our first very first guest. That's true. So yeah. I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners and and try to be nice, don't be your normal self. You know, so try to be nice and <laughs> tell them who you are and what the hell you do. Okay. We ready? We're ready. Go. Go. Uh, thanks for having me here today, David and Amber. It's always a great opportunity to, to reach out and talk to other people who go through the same journey we do. Not necessarily having it, but as a parent. I told my kids, I have two children with type 1 diabetes, which we'll talk about, that I don't know what it's like to have this disease. And it's a big mistake many parents make thinking that we do. But my kids don't know what it's like to be a parent with a child <laughs> with diabetes. So, so it's, and I think that's important to know because there's a distinction and so actually in my whole life, I went to Hofstra University. When I graduated Hofstra, I wanted one thing on this earth to be an actor. It is all I ever wanted to be. Lo and behold, I end up in the probably one of the longest running and biggest hits in New York theater stage history. I'm in a show called Tony and Tina's Wedding, which was famous all around the world. I worked with the original New York company. I was in it for 14 years. I got my commercial agent from there. Many restaurants that I've done commercials for bought my house and I was everything was on its way the way it was supposed to be going. I had been on Law and Order. I had been on Spin City. I had done movies. Life was grand. I was a member of Actors Equity, Screen Actors Guild. And on September 26, 1992, I'm on my way to a matinee performance. I come off the bridge. I'm on Delancey Street. And when I lecture, I have to explain this to people because I tell people my beeper went off and they heads to heads tilt a little bit. What's a, what, what's a beeper? And I said, and all it said on it was 911, which was long before 2001, September 11th, but 
9-11 on my beeper meant call home. It was an emergency. First time it ever been used. My wife said to me, Tom, we're rushing Caitlin to the hospital. They think it's diabetes. And like all parents do, I yet to meet any who haven't. Uh, it's a cold. It's this. It's not diabetes. What is it? Nobody has it in my family. It took me an hour and a half to get to, two hours actually, to get to the hospital in Eastern Long Island where my daughter was taken. And I remember I walked in the door of the hospital at Stony Brook University Hospital and looked straight down the hall. And it was, my wife was leaning on the wall and my daughter's jacket was hanging from her hand. And she said, I walked over to her. She couldn't actually, she couldn't even talk. She pointed to the open doorway, which was the ICU. And I went in and I'm not a little guy. And this nurse had to be all of four foot 11. She looked at me. She said, you can't go in there. I said, stop me. And she got out of my way. And I walked in and there was my little girl at the age of two. And she had wires and everything all over the place. I used to sing to her. I used to sing to her to go to sleep at night. And I walked in there and I and she just I could see she was gray. She had been crying for three hours, pokes, prods. I pushed the hair out of her face. And all I said to her was, hi, honey. She looked me straight in the eye and she changed my life. She said, daddy. I said, what, honey? And she looked at everything that was stuck in her. She looked me straight in the eyes and she said, fix. And I looked at her and I said, Okay, honey, I said, daddy promises that we will not leave a stone unturned and we will make a difference in this diabetes world. And she also became my teacher. She's what, how she grew up and where she ended up is a great story too. But she was always, we were not going to let diabetes stop us from anything. We were going to do somebody, when people say to me, what can't you do when your child is diagnosed with diabetes? I said, how limited is your imagination? It's what I've been saying since day one. You know, I, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but I'm going to anyways. But your experience is so similar to a lot of the other parents that I've met. You know, it is, you know, we always talk about, like, you know, Amber and I live with the disease, yet it is kind of amazing how many people who are touched by it have become so active in the disease. I mean, you know, I mean, I've been around this crazy world of ours for, you know, th almost 30 years. And, you know, almost every conference I'm at, every show I'm at, you know, there's somebody like you who's either their child had it or their mother had it or their somebody. And they're, they all of a sudden turn from, you know, like you said, you were doing acting and all that stuff. Next thing you know, you, you're a diabetes advocate. Well, it's true. And it's, and I've said this before, and I've talked about this before, and it's really anybody who's really been through anything that really impacts their child, no matter what disease it is, no matter what the horror story is, they ask themselves, if not us, then who? If who will make a difference? Who is going to fort with, fight for my kids? Who's going to go up in, in, in Congress and talk about insulin, which was the reason why Banting and Best didn't get money way back when is because he wanted it for the masses. It is a sin. It's not even a crime. It is a sin what's happening with insulin and people's, people's world right now. And for me, it was, well, what do we do about this? We will not accept this to stop us, but the equalizer in diabetes is education. Can't just say it. Can't just go out there and say, well, I'm going to do this. We're, diabetes is not going to impact our lives because surely it can. And I tell people, if you don't control it, it will control you. And even if you do everything you can, it's 
still might throw a curveball at you and kill you for that matter, for lack of a, for getting really, really dramatic about it. But it can happen. So we threw ourselves. I remember coming home from the show before all my life changed after that. And my, my wife would, she'd have all pamphlets around. She would have fallen asleep while she was reading and trying to read more. And I, I try to tell parents all the time, please, when your child is diagnosed, I know you won't, but stay off social media. Keep it you, your child, and your doctors for just the first month. I go on pages where somebody comes on and says, my child is going through this. What do you suggest? And answer after answer after answer after answer. And I jump on and I say, what does your medical team say? We're losing how important our medical team is. Yes, people have wonderful anecdotes and things that will help you deal with your child's diabetes. But your child's, it is the, it is the long before Congress destroyed the phrase, it is the snowflake disease. It is different in everybody because it impacts me doesn't imp- or my child, it doesn't impact your child that way. And if you are basing your comments on what you experienced only, well, that person who's reading that may think that's the answer. Okay, I have a question. I have two questions on that. How old are your children now? Okay, so Caitlin was two when she was diagnosed. She's now 30. She is a nurse practitioner, just made me a grandfather a year ago. Um, got married, married a police officer. My son was diagnosed at 13, and he's 25 now, going on 26. And he is in private industry. What used to be mechanics for our cars was really a great thing to have. He is now an absolute guru in computer technology. So he, okay. and they both are in jobs that pay, you know, have great benefits for them, which we also instilled on them. They need to have benefits their whole life. They both have jobs that do that and uh, they both do well. They Do they have challenges? Everybody's got challenges, but they, they do. Well, here's my question with that too, as a parent and as a person touched by diabetes, because I hear these often when a parent comes and wants to talk to me about how I've lived for so long with a disease. As a parent and through the different time frames, let's just say high school, college, and things like that, give me a couple of fears that you had as a parent. That they'll die. And and, and I say, well, and the reason I say it like that is because everyone's afraid to say it. Yeah. I, when I talk to parents and I said, what are you afraid at night? Oh, I'm afraid they're going to go low. I said, that's not what you're afraid of. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to get juice in them or, or give them a shot or anything. I said, that's not what you're afraid of. I said, tell me what you're afraid of. I said, you can't. I said, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but you can't. You got, you have to face your fears to challenge them. I said, tell me what I'm afraid of my child dying. Yes, that is what you're afraid of. Now, wait, just hold on one more thing. You can teach your children how to drive a car and how to cross the street. That does not mean that someday something could go haywire and go completely wrong. And it's the same thing in this field, but you have to try to level the playing field. And that is knowing everything you can about how this disease works. Okay. So I want to ask, because you've been around long enough, you've seen changes in technology. Are either your children on, on continuous monitor? Yes. Okay. Which one? Dexcom, Libre, what are they on? One is on the Dexcom and one does MDI. Okay. So the one who's on Dexcom, is it your daughter or your son? My daughter. Okay, is she sharing uh, readings with you? No. Okay, does she? At 30? Well, At 30? <laughs> she doesn't even, there's no way in hell I would share my readings with my no. dad. Okay, but does your daughter, you know, you said your daughter gave you a grandchild. Does she share with, like, her partner, I mean, somebody? Her husband, yeah. Yeah, 
Okay, so she does share. And she know, and you know what's interesting is that it was a very big concern of mine that my daughter has somebody who's going to look after her type one diabetes because I'm not going to be there. And you know, I remember when she came home from school and she said, I'm going out for track. And I was like, great, which part of track? The 20, 30 yard dash? She said, no, cross country. And I was like, oh, okay. But you know what? We made it work. Eventually she didn't want to do that, but we didn't tell her no. So the answer is yes. I think anybody in this world needs a backup. I don't, I don't know who it is. I think anybody at any age has to make sure somebody, why? Because they have to? No, but because if the technology is available, it'd be silly if you didn't. Well, it's interesting in your comment, you, you, you stated that, and I'm just going to make a couple of assumptions. You stated that your daughter's on the Dexcom, but your son's on MDI, and which would imply to me that your daughter's on a pump. Is that correct? Oh, I see what you say. Okay. Well, yes. And that's in the lingo has gotten to that. You think they're on one, they're on the other. Yes. He's not on, he's not on anything, but she is on an insulin pump and a CGM. Do you know, do you, uh, do you know which pump it is? Yep. Okay. Well, you want to share with the class or we're going to keep this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was having fun watching you see if I was going to say it or not. She's on tandems. Okay. The IQ or the basal IQ? Basal IQ. Okay. And your son, you said, is on multiple daily injections. Is that correct? As, as well as multiple daily pricks of his finger. Okay. So he doesn't use a CGM. Ah, I'd love to talk to him about why. Okay. So as a parent, okay, now, you know, you know this world really well. Have you talked to him about it? Do you, yep. have you said, you know, why aren't you on a CGM? Well, and he, and he has been on it. And you know what? The, the thing is, is that it's their choices. It's true. It's their choices. And I think even as simple as it is, because if it were up to me, if I had a choice to be on an insulin pump or a CGM, me, I'm picking a CGM because adjusting the insulin is, is a lot easier if you know where you're at. Now, I can tell you that he does from time to time and at different intervals, he will wear a CGM, but he does not wear it full time. So the question I'm, and this is, this is really for our listeners because it is kind of unique. I mean, you're a father, you love your children, you want the best for them. And you, and you happen to be knowledgeable about diabetes devices and crap like that. Do you find it difficult to talk to them sometimes where you kind of got to like balance things a little bit? Cause you're, you know, you're a dad and you're also in the world. And well, I try, but I didn't talk my son out of being a police officer either. You know, <laughs> I mean, so, but I'm saying is that, you know, my son who's the police officer and throws it all on the line every day. Look, if you try to live through your kids' eyes and everything, you will. We have decided that, really quick story, years and years and years ago, there was a young lady who came to me and she was about, oh my gosh, I thought she was, she was like 10 years older than me at the time. She was like 40 something. And I was like, she was, and she said, I've, Tom, I've had diabetes since I was a little girl. And he, she said, I'm going to tell you something. And I, I know by your personality, we're going to lock horns. She said, it's not your disease. And I was like, what? She said, it's not your disease. And I said, well, of course it is. And we talked and she said really quickly, she said, when I was a young girl, my mother did everything for me, everything. And this is before all the technology we have now. And even this is 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. She said, we, she did everything. She pricked my finger, she up into my teens. And she said, and I came home one day and my aunt was there. And she informed me that both my parents were killed in an automobile accident. And she said, Tom, to this day, I don't know whether I'm mad because they died or mad because she did not teach me how to take care of my diabetes. That's a good story. Sad as hell, but... It, it's as tough as that was to take. 
you, you, you know, mama raised no fool, as my friend David says. Mama raised no fool. You don't have to tell me things twice. Mama Cliff is getting pretty popular these days, yeah. Yeah. So it was, that was such an eye-opener. And I said, now, so to me, I don't necessarily want parents to force their kids, force in quotes, their kids, to do what I think is right or what they think is right, because if they start rebelling against you, no matter how good the product is, because you're forcing them to use it, you're causing more damage than good in the long run anyway. Even though having a different kind of wearing something that could help you, whether it's a pump or a CGM. However, what you try to do is circle people around them who do use it so they can make a better decision because there's a wonderful scene in Meet the Parents in uh, Father of the Bride, I mean, sorry, Father of the Bride. The father said, you should wear a jacket out. It's chilly out. And she's like, no, dad, I'm okay. No, you should, you should wear a jacket. It's chilly. No, dad, I'm okay. No, dad, I'm okay. And then she goes up and she gets ready. And the, the scene, Steve Martin calls her and her, and her husband-to-be is here. He comes in, he says, honey, it's a little chilly out. She goes, oh, I'll go get a sweater. Well, <laughs> because the future spouse told her, not the parents. Well, that's what I was going to say when you were talking about that too. And Dave, when you asked, have you encouraged your son or told your son he should be doing this? If my parents came to me at any point in my diabetes journey and they didn't, to tell me what I needed to do, I would have probably flipped them the bird. You know what I mean? Like that's because I took the bull by the horns from the second I was diagnosed at age eight. You know what I mean? Like my parents, even though I think it's great for parents to make recommendations. And let me say that I only got on a CGM because of being a part of the diabetes online community. I saw my peers. I saw the benefits of them and how they manage their diabetes and could go run a marathon. That's why I decided, you know what I mean? So, and I totally agree with what you're saying. If you force your kid into some device or something like that, and they want to rebel, then more harm than good. Just crazy. I think the other thing, Tom, maybe you could share with us, because again, you are kind of, you are almost exactly our target audience. I'm sure you've been in environments where there are people who don't have diabetes who are, you know, they found out your son or your daughter has it and they're giving you advice. Can you talk about that aspect of it? Well, the ones that I didn't kill, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because you know what? The truth, you know, to be honest with everybody is you can't protect them from the world and anything. And, and, and if you're open, I think one of the greatest people that ever lived in the diabetes world, and God rest his soul daily, please, is Dr. Richard Rubin. Dr. Richard Rubin was, you know, really, really big with the American Diabetes Association. And he, you know, he, he took, and when his son was diagnosed, he took his, the psyche of diabetes and made it as important as the insulin that you take. Because the psyche of diabetes is just as important, and we we forget about that. But yeah, my parent, my family members and friends, we got everything that everybody got. What did they eat? And giving them a piece of cake, it was like oh, and I'd be like whoa, what? <laughs> because because it's and the thing is is that if you make it a big deal, and you have people have to understand, we all need in this world, especially today, more than ever. You got to breathe more because if you get yourself, you know, somebody says something online, I used to be, no, you're wrong. And it's, you'll hear this because I'm so much into television and movies from my acting career and everything else. There's a great line in Santa Claus too, when he gives out all the toys to to everybody at the, in the school gym and the school teacher says, "Ah, how did you do that? And he said, sometimes you just don't need to know all the answers. 
And we don't need to know all the answers. We can let our kids fall. We can let them fail. We can let them, our job is to be there to help them be strong, whatever that takes. Now, I'm not, I'm the last person to tell anybody how to parent. It's your choice what you do. Although there's enough out there to say, well, which road do we take? And Amber, there are more people down there, down the road like you, who said, if my parents had forced me to do this, I see it all the time. And I say, there's a guy, wonderful guy. Do you know who Joe Silowetchek is? Joe is, he's a diabetes educator. And he, the first thing he used to do is he used to take the kids when he would lecture and he'd go outside and he'd have an insulin pump. <laughs> oh, some of your friends are going to be mad at this. And he'd run his car over it. He'd run his car over it. And he said, what would happen if that was you? And I always said, I want to know how many times that you've done that, that somebody donated that to you. <laughs> but, but Joe's point was, Sometimes they get fed up with anything that they're doing. And when it's diabetes, we think it's a horror story when there's a million things that they'll get fed up with. Our job is to be there when they need the the board to stand next to, or they need the pillow to lay on. Sometimes we need to be both at different times. I'm going to move around a little bit here because, you know, you are a parent um, and and your daughter was diagnosed in what year? I'm trying to remember what year it was. September 26, 1992. In 92. Was CWD around then? No. Okay. So you've kind of seen, and, and for our listeners, CWD stands for Children with Diabetes. It's I happen to know the founder, Jeff Hitchcock. I've known him for, oh my God, too many years, which tells you I'm old, which you've kind of lived through a revolution in a way, because as you know, and you know Jeff, he started CWD because his daughter had type 1. And the only reason he started that site was because he wanted his daughter, he wanted to share stuff with people. It's basically wanted to do. So you've seen this evolution of technology and social media. And I'm not asking you for a definite answer, but overall on balance, positive, negative, has it helped? Has it hurt? What? Sites like, you know, social media, like CWD. I mean, oh, there's not a, oh, no, there's not a doubt. I was at the very first CWD. Not a doubt in my mind, and I and I have not been unabashed about this at all. CWD is the reason my daughter's alive. Not a doubt about it. Because, and when I say alive, that doesn't just mean breathing. That means alive and living life because they taught you to be in this world with your disease. Jeff Jeff is absolutely, I to say, I don't even know if my brother is as close as Jeff Hitchcock. Is. I have no, I am not on the inside circle of CWD. I have been, I've been with them for years. I have lectured there. I've run the dad's group for years, but they run their thing. And now they have a whole bunch of people, a lot of young people, which is great to see running that, but being part of that. And if it's not CWD and it's a, it's a camp, it's a, it's a, whatever, anything that allows children to be around others. It's just being around whether others and being at Disney is like having chocolate syrup and ice cream. So it's like, because, because Jeff from the get go, Jeff, Got it. And not only Jeff, but he also had the wisdom to let Laura, who runs all the conferences, run them. But switch gears a little bit. Okay, so we know that's a positive. What about like, hey, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? What's your thoughts on that? It's all positive. It's all positive in today's world that it's positive, but it comes with an asterisk. As anything with disease, you got to know what you're on. I mean, there have been people out there that they're saying things and doing things. And you're just like, and you know what? Eventually people find out about them and they go away. They really do. The people that, that last the longest. I mean, I can't imagine when guys like Scott Johnson and Carrie Sparling started and they're like the only two people blogging out there and what they've done again, 
What's the difference between what Carrie and Scott did and Jeff did? Nothing. They educated others about their experience and they allowed them platforms to either learn to vet what they're going through and have other people sharing it. You know, there's a young lady out there. Julie is is a flight attendant. And when I was at D-Life, we had her on the show and she wants to contact other flight attendants who have diabetes because they live in a whole different world. So that was like so empowering to me and energizing me to hear because in anything that we do, if we don't do it, who will? Well, if you had to summarize for all those people that we're talking to, people like you, touched by disease, you don't have it. If you can give them two or three rules to live by, what would they be? Do your homework. Do your homework on anything you're doing. I don't care if it's a pump, if it's a if it's a meter, if it's an organization, do your homework. It also do your homework to make sure it's right for you. There are people who are maybe might not want to go to CWD, but loves camps. Well, great. There are people who love this organization and don't even want to hear about the other organizations. That's fine. But don't, and this has been my mantra for years, just don't do nothing. Because like I said, and I'll say it a thousand times, if we don't, who will? Now, as you know, one of my biggest, my biggest, biggest drives has been against the misdiagnosis of type 1 diabetes. And how to, how to, when I met little Regan's family, when we first did um, Regan's rule, there was nothing in the law books. And this is going to, it's going to actually call it right with research and everything else. There was nothing on the books about educating people in schools about what the warning signs of diabetes were. And then I remember we did one thing and it led into another door and then other people got involved. And actually somebody called me and said, you know, there's another group that's doing this. Does that bother you at all? And I went, bother me? No, (laughs) take it, grow with it. Anything we can do to get the word out there. And that person, unfortunately, Tom Scher, who was such a a great advocate, boy, the diabetes world lost a big one with him. And I I applaud everybody at, at Beyond Type 1 trying to steer yourself through this horror of Tom dying suddenly and, and realizing how much good they did. But when the four people who started Beyond Type 1, they could have said, oh, there's other organizations. Even back when, in the, I remember sitting at the early days of JDRF and they said, oh, we'll never be bigger than ADA. And it's, and I mean, I was at those meetings and you can change the world. Now that world could be your community. That world can be globally. Just don't do nothing. The other thing I would always tell parents to do when I say is that find out how, because it's out there, doesn't make it true for you. Maybe right, doesn't mean it's right for you. People would say, oh, your, your child has to be on an insulin pump. Oh yeah, really? Oh, why? <laughs> your child has to be on a CGM. Well, okay, why? And it's, again, friction and friction, you get heat. So even do that. I, I try not even to, if somebody wants to discuss something with me, we can talk offline. But the social media world is today's library. It is It is just anything you want to do. So that's kind of like, since we, we're running out of time here, and I'm sure our listeners want to get in touch with you. So here it is. This is your chance. Plug yourself. Give a commercial. How do they get in touch with you? Well, I've spent most of my working years at the Diabetes Research Institute. So tcarlia at drif.org if anybody has any questions. And just to touch on that, people say, well, well, why there? And the answer is always the same as that. There are many places out there that have changed their whole mission. 
Somebody has to stay looking for the cure. Is it happening tomorrow? No. Is it happening in five years? No. But if we give up hope that it's going to happen, at least as a parent, what am I doing all this for? I want them to have a better world. I love you for saying that. I want to ask you a question. As a parent, do you think that it's the right thing to do to tell, especially newly diagnosed children's parents, there's going to be a cure in five years? I think it's a sin. I do too. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's false hope because to say, do I think there's going to be one? Yes. Do I actually think it's going to be in their lifetime? Yes, I do. Why? Well, I'm a numbers person, right? You know, the data from what we have now, you know, in 1922, they held up a headline that said diabetes cured 1922. (laughs) I can share that headline with you. Then they said it again when they, you know, the, the, the artificial pancreas is the be all and end all. And, and now we have this young year. Which by this gentleman that was, I guess, the New York Times or the Washington Post did a story on. Everybody's like, uh, yeah, but it's only one person. But you know what? The first insulin pump was the size of a spaceman's backpack. Yeah. 